Welcome to Funny Because It's True, true stories told by funny people. I'm your host, Kevin McGeehan. The show is recorded live every other Tuesday at the Second City Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. Storytellers are either predetermined or chosen randomly on the night of the show, and this podcast is a mixed bag of some of my favorites. The theme of this episode is first time. Stories of how the initial experience can sometimes be the hardest or the weirdest. Our three storytellers, Dave Ross tells the story of his first coital contact, Jamie Moyer talks about her first car accident, and I recount the first time I met my mysterious downstairs neighbor in Chicago, a man who I would later come to find out held some pretty hefty and dark secrets. But let's not dawdle, let's get right to it. First up, Dave Ross. All right, this is the uh, story of the first time I had sex. Uh, yeah, um, but it's also the story of the first time a friend like really backed me up. The story of the first time I stole from my parents, and the story of the first time I saw a guy get whipped in the nuts with a leather belt. So <laughs> here we go. Um, I, uh, I was a super reserved kid in high school. Like I, you know, I sat at the girls' table. You know what I mean? Um, I did. I did. I had a huge backpack. I was one of those kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they're, like sex for me wasn't going to happen organically. You know, and I don't mean like I was going to fuck a robot, but I, I it wasn't going to it was going to take like a lot of work and then like a DU, but I my uh, junior year, I was dating this girl, this beautiful girl. I couldn't believe it happened. There was uh, obviously something wrong with her. And uh, so we've been dating for about nine months. It was like nine months of me, you know, talking, like listening to her talk about how that one blowjob was traumatic and me saying, like, I understand. Um, and, <laughs> and then finally we had a talk. I'm like, do you want to have sex? And she was like, yeah, do you? And I was like, here we go. Uh, <laughs> but I wasn't like, and not even now. I'm like, here we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Every time I have sex, here we go. Okay. All right, put the cuffs on. Um, so, but like her parents and my parents are both really, really strict. So we had to hatch a plan. And here was the plan my friend James would pick us up at her respective houses. He would distract my mother, who loved him, while I stole my parents' tent from uh, the attic. Uh, then we would go pick her up on our way to a movie and he would drop us off. Uh, so, uh, the first part works great. He comes over. My mom loves him. I go up, I steal the tent, put it in his trunk later, mom. Then we go to her place and her dad is the, exactly the kind of dad that I want to be. If I had a daughter, I want to be him. But at the time it was horrifying. Because that day, he picked that day to be the day that he would answer the door holding a shotgun wearing only boxers. Uh, Come on in. Like, it was fucking nuts. Uh, So I'm like, oh, God, he knows what I'm going to do. So uh, we go in, and I have to talk to him for a minute, and I'm nervous. But we get through it. Uh, We leave with James. Yeah, we're going to see this movie. Bye-bye. James drops Jen and I off in the woods behind my old middle school. Where, where we, uh, we set up a tent <laughs> and had sex for four hours. Um, and I go like this because we had sex for four hours. We had sex twice uh, with one orgasm between the two of us. It was me, not to brag. Um, <laughs> 
There was all sorts of great, like, awkward things said in that four hours, too. Uh, my favorite was, uh, oh, not there. <laughs> that was from her. She, she said that. Uh, after the first time we had sex, uh, there were two doors into this tent, and I went to get my shoes to stroll around in my glory. You know what I mean? Uh, but I went, opened the wrong door. My shoes weren't there. I'd gotten disoriented. And I was like, someone fucking stole my shoes! Shit! Like, so one of those guys that makes fun of me at school knows this happened and came out here and took my shoes. Like, that's, that was my logic. Um, and then a few minutes after that, she said to me, we don't have to do that again, do we? Um, and I was like, yes. Um... Oh, or really what I said was, eh, if you don't want to, and then we did. Uh, so anyway, uh, it was sex. It was fun. You know what I mean? Like, first time's always awkward, I would imagine. Uh, I only had one first time. Uh, but then we, uh, uh, we uh, packed the tent up, uh, walked down to the, uh, the side of Lakeshore Road. James was there right on time, picked us up, drove us back to her place, and uh, we walked in. Immediately upon walking in, I realized that Jen and I – have muddy feet, and James doesn't. So, and now, like, there are myriad explanations for this. You know what I mean? Like, I could have come up with anything. You know, we could have, like, we were in love. We were puddle jumping. (laughs) But I had just had sex with her dad's daughter. So I was just like, he knows! And I'm, like, standing there freaking out. And he brings it up immediately. We're standing in the kitchen. He says, hey, why do you guys have muddy footprints? And James, being an amazing person, looks over and notices that I'm freaking out. I don't say anything. I'm just like, make it stop, make it stop. And he's just staring at me. Why do you have muddy footprints? He didn't think it was a big deal. So James, to save my life, just calls him an asshole. Hey, asshole! (laughs) Like that. (laughs) And uh, Jen's father, who uh, is a very funny person, took off his belt to fake snap it. To like, I'm going to get you or something. But then he just whipped him right in the nuts. He just, boom, right in the nuts. "Ah!" (laughs) James crumbled to the floor. I picked him up, carried him away. And uh, my life was saved. So so I go into school the next day, which is Monday, uh, thinking like, you know, I'm 17. Like, everyone's going to know. I'm the coolest kid in, in school now. But eight periods go by. No one asked me if I'd gotten, I've had sex that weekend. I was like, what the fuck? Are you serious? What's the point of having sex if no one knows, you know? Uh, I go down into the lunchroom before the end of school, and this bully who had been kicking my ass that year just pushes me into the lockers, and he's like, where are you going, faggot? And James, like a white knight, dives over my shoulder and says, yo, back off, dude. Dave had sex. It was amazing. Thank you so much. I'm Dave Roth. Next up, Jamie Moyer. Hi, everybody. Okay, this is the story of the first time I was in a car accident. And also, uh, what I think of anytime I hear a Tony, Tony, Tony song. Uh, okay, so I graduated from high school uh, when I was 17. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard tell that people get cars when they're teenagers. And so I was lobbying for one pretty bad. And uh, so my parents, of which I have four, because they're divorced and remarried, pulled together their money and bought me a $900, 1987, two-door, burgundy inside and out, Chevy. Stick shift. 
and it was it was it was fugly but i was so happy to have a car you know i thought that was just really cool of them but it was not a cute car so i had it and uh, i drove it for maybe two months and in august i was going down to ccs in detroit taking art classes and i was driving on i-94 and uh the following occurred I'm driving on 94, and I look over to my right because they were mowing the lawn on the side of the freeway, you know, the hilly, the grassy knoll. And I'm like, wow, that's how they do that. It looks like that thing could topple over. I mean, they're really sideways right now. And in the amount of time of me observing this phenomenon that I apparently had never seen before as a passenger in a car... A huge 18-wheeler truck has slowed to a near stop in front of me. So I'm going, oh, and I look in front of me, and there it is. It's like the ass end of this truck is in my face now. So I, if I, I couldn't, I, I tried to slam on the brakes. It wouldn't have made it. So I immediately swerve into the fast lane. Had there been a car in the fast lane, I would have been dead. There was not. But as I got in the fast lane, then I panicked and slammed on the brakes. The impact of slamming on the brakes threw the car into the truck. <laughs> between the wheels. Like in the middle of this mother thing. The impact of hitting the truck... It was like it was like it happened so so fast, but it was like up towards the front wheels. The impact of hitting the truck thrust the car over this way into the median, where the left two front wheels and back wheels rode up on the you know the little cement divider, and the car flips over onto its roof. I don't know why. To this day, I did not have my seatbelt on because I always wear my seatbelt. But I didn't have my seatbelt on, and thank God, because if I'd had my seatbelt on, I would be dead. So that's the two I would be dead. Car flips over. I'm laying in the car like this, but this under me is the roof of the car, right? So I'm like, I'm like flat. All the windows have smashed. Every window in the car is smashed now. And so basically, the car is wrecked around my fat ass, and I'm like, like flying in the car. And it's spinning out like this. And all I see is oncoming traffic, oncoming traffic. And I'm like, one of those cars is going to hit me, and I'm going to be dead. So this is the three I'm going to be deads that I, the minute I hit the, the minute I hit the truck, I thought I was going to be dead. The minute the truck flipped, I thought I was going to be dead. And the minute it spun out, I thought I'm going to be dead. Car stops. I'm upside down in it. It's upside down, and I'm, I'm right side up, but it's upside down. I, I reach my hands out of the wreckage. Again, there's no more windows. And all I can get out is my head and my hands. Can't get the girls out. Girls are, the girls are locked in. And I hear the radio. It's our anniversary. Made for you and me. Tomorrow will come. And I'm going, this is, this is my logic. I'm 17, you guys. I go, the car is still on. It's going to blow up. And I'm going to be dead. <laughs> Car is going to catch on fire. Radio still on. Engine still on. Car blow up. Die. Jamie died. So 
so this lady has pulled up on the side. Now, now, mind you, all the other traffic is at a standstill looking at the car. The truck has pulled over here. Lady over here. Are you okay? Me. Help me, please. Which, you know, now I can say it as a joke. But I was like, help me, please. Like crying, like so scared. So she comes over and tries to like pull my arm. She can't get me out. She starts yelling at the other cars. Help this girl. Help this girl. What's wrong with you? And they're all sitting there like, mm. you know, their people are scared. They don't want to get AIDS. They're afraid to break your neck, whatever. They're like, I don't want to touch her. She's like, help this girl. What the hell's wrong with you? She starts screaming at this like The lady's like a fucking angel. So the guys all get out of the car and they like are ripping the door off. They pull me out of the car. Uh, and, and they rip the door up and I like basically crawl out of the car impact of the crash or somehow my shoes are gone. Like I've lost my shoes. I run over to her and I just like hug her. I get blood all over her. I have a huge gash in my head and I'm like, thank you. Thank you. I'm hugging her. I go, I I'm hugging her. Thank you. Thank you. The ambulance comes. They take me to the hospital. Um, and I had to get just 12 stitches in the back of my head and I had to get my eyes flushed because of all the broken glass and dirt, which by the way, if you ever get glass in your eyes, don't rub them because you can make yourself blind. I knew this because of a young girl I once knew. So don't ever rub your eyes. So I didn't touch my own eyes. Two, two things. Prologue. Prologue? Epilogue. Damn it. I fucked that up every time. Two things. Number one. That car looked like a piece of tinfoil. My mom went to the junkyard and saw the car and was like, the, and I, I saw it when, when I was waiting for the ambulance. The car was like, just, you, it looked like someone died in that, in that car crash. Um, it's a miracle I'm alive, which is probably why I enjoy uh, wild living, because I probably should have died that day. It was pretty fucking unbelievable. But the more amazing part of this story is a woman called my mom two weeks after the crash. The woman, the woman that helped on the side. She had a friend in the police force. She begged him to find my information because she couldn't stop thinking about me. She called my mom, and she's on the phone with my mom, and my mom is crying, and she said, Jamie's my only daughter. And the lady is crying on the phone with my mom, and the lady told my mom that her sister had been in a car accident two months before that and nobody had helped her sister and that's why she helped me and so I for years after that vowed to help and still will help anyone in a car accident and it was to the point where I actually would carry latex gloves in my glove box <laughs> and uh so help people if you see them in a terrible car crash and that is the first time I, and not the last I had a couple other doozies but that is the first time I was in a terrible car accident Finally, me, Kevin McGeehan. For about 18 months, starting in 2004, uh, one of my best friends, Mark Warzek, and I lived together in an apartment in Chicago. And for that entire 18 months, we were embroiled in a mystery that both of us were determined to figure out. And it was no one else cared except us. But we would talk about it a lot. When we got home at night, we would talk about new clues that we had gathered and try to figure out what this whole thing was. And... What we were missing was the one piece of the puzzle, that one thing that would pretty much explain everything that we needed to know. And much like most mysteries, once you get that final piece, it's always, oh, of course, that makes sense. Uh, so here's what happened. Uh, we moved in this apartment. Uh, it was a two flat in Chicago. And we up, lived upstairs and our landlord lived downstairs and it was a woman named Elizabeth, a plump uh, lady in her 60s, uh, somewhat pleasant, not always. And... Um, the first day that we moved in, she said to us, 
um, have you guys met Larry? And uh, we said, no. She goes, well, if Larry ever gives you any trouble, you let me know immediately. And we asked, obviously, the most appropriate follow-up question, who's Larry? And she said, well, he lives with me. He stays with me downstairs. Uh, oh, oh, who is he? He just stays with me. And that's it. That was clue number one. So then uh, the first time we met Larry was a few days later when we signed up to get Internet. And we called Comcast, and Comcast told us that the house was not wired, so they were going to have to send someone out to put wires up on the house. Uh, we said fine. I called Elizabeth, cleared it with her. And then a few hours later, the Comcast guy shows up, and he starts to put wires on the house. We hear a ruckus outside of a man screaming, Get the hell off the house! You communist. And he kept saying it over and over again. Get out of here, you communist. And uh, just yelling at this Comcast guy. And um, we, Mark and I run downstairs to see what's happening. And who we assume is Larry was screaming at him. Like I said, just calling him a communist over and over again. And our joke to each other, was, uh, Mark leaned over to me and whispered, I think he's mispronouncing Comcast. <laughs> and um, we laughed. Larry didn't find it funny at all. And um, that was uh, clue number two, that he did not want anyone around the house. He was being very secretive. Um, this was kind of weird. And we also found out that he occupied the attic a lot of the time. And there was a poor man's security system on the door with just uh, a wrapping of string to make sure that no one could get in. And we were told, never, ever go in the attic, whatever you do. One night, we got drunk and decided to go up to the attic. And then as we were undoing the string, we realized this is a bad idea. And we didn't. And we went downstairs. They had two dogs, two dogs that they made that they used to make sure that no one ever came up to the house. And the dogs would attack Mark and myself every now and again. And uh, each time the dogs attacked us, they were in Larry's care. And I swear he had a small yet discernible smile on his face each time. Um. But he was always, it was just so many secrets. We were not allowed to know anything about this guy. And every time he saw us outside on the street, he would not, he would look like he had never seen us before. And he would disavow our existence, even if we walked right past him. Who is this guy and what is he hiding? We kept wondering. About 17 months into our lease, we have a month left. And uh, I get a frantic call from Mark. I was out of town, and he said, oh, my God, I've got to tell you what just happened. He was sitting by the front window of our apartment smoking a funny cigarette. And um, then suddenly, out of the blue, it was pitch black outside, and then suddenly a spotlight from a car on the street shines into the downstairs apartment. Mark freaks out because he looks and he starts to make out that's a cop car shining a spotlight into the house. And as we have all learned from movies and television, whenever there's a cop and you're smoking pot, flush everything. So he ran around the house. He flushed everything, got rid of everything in the house. Um, and then he uh, stood in the darkness by the window and watched to see what they were doing. And then the cops went from the car to the downstairs apartment and had a muffled conversation with Larry. And then they went back into their car and they sat. At this point, uh, Mark had some, um, I don't know, some bravery, some uh, cannabis bravery, and decided to... Um, uh, go downstairs and ask the cops what's exactly going on. He knocks on the window, and they say, um, oh, well, you know what, uh, he's an old man, and we check on him occasionally. 
just real condescending, and they wouldn't answer the question of why they were staking out our house and watching this guy. That was another clue. Um, A few days after that, I am downstairs in the laundry room, and um, it's washing machine, the stairs, and then a door. And I am putting my clothes in the dryer, and I hear someone walking downstairs. I know Elizabeth is at work, and I know Mark is at work, so I assume it must be Larry. So I give him a cursory, hey, Larry. But he obviously doesn't hear me. And why I say obviously didn't hear me is because as he got to the door, he saw me and what he was wearing. And keep in mind, he is an older Boo Radley-esque type fellow. And um, he was wearing nothing except a little tiny female panties. And when he saw me, he just stopped, and I stopped, and neither of us knew what to do. We were two animals in the wild that didn't know whether to fight or flight. And um, then suddenly, he just jumped behind the door, and I jumped behind the washing machine. And after about 15 seconds, he got the bravery and walked back upstairs. Who is this guy, and what is he hiding? The answer came a A week later, when a friend of mine went to a fair with his girlfriend, and they lived in the neighborhood with us, and they typed our zip code into a computer, and they found out something very interesting. Larry was a convicted sex offender specializing in child pornography. Oh, of course. That makes perfect sense. Thank you. That's it. That's our show. Special thanks to our storytellers, Dave Ross and Jamie Moyer. Also thanks to Josh Callahan, Mark Warzeka, The Second City Hollywood, and the Comedy Podcast Network for producing the show. If you would ever like to see the live show, Funny Because It's True is every other Tuesday at 10 p.m. at The Second City Hollywood, located on beautiful and mildly scary Hollywood Boulevard. Funny Because It's True is on Facebook at facebook.com slash funny because it's true. So come out to the live show, sign up, and you may get chosen to tell a true story on stage. And from there, get chosen to be on the podcast. My name is Kevin McGinn. Thanks for listening. For more funny stuff for your eyes and ears, go to ComedyPodcastNetwork.com.